Morning, everybody. Man, it's good to have everybody out there. Um, I'd like you to turn to Psalm 46 this morning. I'm leaving our series, Still Speaking, which is a biographical series we have been doing as a staff. Um, I did not make that decision to not go with the individual I was going to be preaching on this morning till later this week. I just felt really constrained to bring a message uh, a little different. I'm going to be reading Psalm 46 in a moment. Um, four years ago, on the Sunday after the 2016 presidential election, I presented a, a short challenge to you. We had just concluded a rancorous, conflicted season. I said we all need to respond with gentleness to put aside anger and bitterness and put our energies into doing the work of serving and loving as Jesus people, the church, are always called to do. And the challenge that I presented was simply we need to be the church. This morning, here we are, four years later, a heated, intense, close, controversial election has just happened. Some are ecstatic with the results. Others are crushed. Most are relieved it's over. Some are determined it's not. This is a moment of emotional responses, not the least of which is apprehension for the future. I'd like to present a challenge for this moment in the aftermath of the 2020 presidential election. Four years ago, I felt constrained to emphasize the theme, be the church. This morning, I'd like to emphasize, let God be God. I think we need to unite ourselves around the empowering truth of Psalm 46. It is addressed to people who are in fear that life is out of control. They feared what was happening. They feared even more what might happen. Into such a context comes this invigorating psalm, pointing the way to a big and majestic God. The psalm is divided into three sections, and each section ends with the word selah. Uh, the NIV doesn't have that because they, I'm not sure why they don't have that actually. I was trying to understand that, but... Um, the, the word selah is actually in the text. It is a term that most believe was a musical, it was, it was a, a term that was expressed to the musicians, but it had a specific meaning. It meant to pause, to wait, and many believe what was going on when they said selah at the end of these verses was that they, they said, okay, here, stop singing, just play music. And get people then to think about what they've just sung or read. And so, basically, sila is a way for the psalmist to say, okay, stop for a minute and think about what I just said. Permeate on it. Meditate on it. Reflect. Process. Apply. And I'd like to look at these three truths that are presented to us, the first of which is verses 1 through 3, and here's what we read. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. 
Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roam and foam, roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. Think about that. Let's pray, and then we're going to look at this text. Lord, we come to you this morning. God, we love your word. We love the relevance, the practical insight that it always gives to us when we take time to just listen and learn. Lord, I love you for this text that just speaks so much to moments in our lives that feel a little unsettling when life feels out of control the future we're not sure where things are going so lord may you help us to think about these truths that you give us about yourself this morning in jesus name amen the first thing we read here in verses 1 through 3 is the truth that God is with us to overcome our fears. He says in verse 1, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. It's an interesting combination of terms, this idea of refuge, strength, and help, because it's the exact same thing that the prophet Isaiah emphasized in a very well-known verse, Isaiah 41.10, where he says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, and I will help you. The word strengthen means to have our inner life strengthened. There is, a, there is an empowering that comes from within. But a lot of times in our lives, we, we don't need as much as we do need that. That isn't all we need. We also need somebody to fight for us. We also need aid. We need, we need support and help. We need to know that, God, you're going you're gonna to see this thing through. Yes, you give me strength within. You re- renew my spirit. You can calm me. You can settle me. But I also need to know you're fighting for me, that you will help me. And he says here, God is a help in trouble. He will aid you in danger and overwhelming circumstances. He will do for you what you cannot do for yourself. But he says he is a present help in trouble. I've had a couple of times when I've been away on trips, um, one was when I was doing my doctor of ministry course out in Chicago. Another was when I was at a board meeting for a mission I served on. And twice I remember getting calls from Marian. And we were always checking in every day, of course. And, um, but stuff was going on. And I can still remember, she said, I, I need you here. And one time I actually left. I left the board meeting and came home just because of stuff that was going on. And the psalmist is saying, he's not just a help. He's here. He's a present help with us and with you. But not only that, he's a very present help. And the word actually means he's, he's exceedingly present. I mean, he's, a, he's as real in his presence as you could possibly be now. Now, I've had conversations with, with, with my wife. Uh, more times than I'd like to acknowledge, where we'll be in the conversation, and all of a sudden, you know, we're, she'll just stop, and she'll say, 
where are you? You know, I thought this was a conversation, but you're not here. Mom said, oh, babe, I'm here, here, right? No, no, I'm not here, right? I was present, but I wasn't very present. He's very present. He's near. He's a very present help. Wherever we are, wherever you are, been doing this series in many of our small groups, a few hundred of us studying the awe series, and the whole focus of the series is presenting the seven characteristics of God that He gives of Himself to awe us, that when we're stunned with who He is, it has the design of the fear of God and the awe of God replaces and overcomes the fear of our lives. The one, and you'll see this when you get to session seven, that is most often repeated in the scripture as the truth about God that is most highlighted to help us overcome our fears is to awe us with this reality. God is with you. He says it over and over and over again to people that are scared spitless. He says, God's with you. And the result here in verse 2 and 3, it says, you know what? Even if the earth gives way, even if the mountains sink into the, into the heart of the sea, we will not fear. Now, it's a striking statement, this phrase where he says, if the earth gives way. The word or the verb gives way is, is one word in the original. It actually means if it's changed. Many of the Old Testament passages, it says it's exchanged. The idea is if, if the world around you is totally changed, if the parties and leadership is changed, if the whole world and all that's going on is changed, he says, we don't have to fear. We don't have to be because it's different and because things are unknown. He says, God will still be God. Now, for these people, change for them, as far as from a political standpoint, meant that opposing powers would come in and, and dictatorially subjugate them, in most cases, take them away as slaves. Even if everything seems out of control and dangerous, is what he's saying, we won't fear. Why? Because the creative, sovereign God is with us. Because he does not waste experiences, and he is the foundation we rest on in the midst of change. God is with us to overcome our fears. He says, think about that. And then he goes on in verses 4 to 7. There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters His voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. Think about that. The second truth we find presented that we are challenged to think about is the fact that God is with us to bring joy in himself. It's a couple of phrases here in verse 4 I want to I take a minute with. He says, 
There's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Now, this is not talking about the bricks and mortar. It's talking about the people. That God makes, it's, it's allegorical, and the word city of God actually was picked up in the 4th century A.D. by one of the greatest Christian theologians of all time, a guy named St. Augustine. And Augustine actually wrote a book that was called The City of God. It's one of the, the most famous theological, philosophical Christian writings ever. And basically what he's presented, he says, is basically in the world there are two kingdoms. There, are, there is the kingdom, or excuse me, the city of man, as he calls it, which is basically humankind, what the New Testament regularly calls the world, which is the system of people whose lives are still under the domination of the flesh, of the sinful nature. And their inclination, and this is all of us apart from Christ and before Christ in our lives, we are inclination of our heart is away from God, and this is the system of the world. But then he says, but there is also another kingdom that is operating as a sub-kingdom in the midst of a counter-kingdom, and that is called the city of God. It is the people of God. It is those who are owned by Christ, who have made Christ center of their lives, Lord of their lives, and they are now living toward the glory of that Christ. The city of God is an expression for the people of God. And then he says this, there's a river whose streams make glad the city of God. The stream of water throughout the scripture, both Old and New Testament, continually talks about the sense of God's Spirit's work in our lives. Jesus presented this most beautifully in John 7, where he says, whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. John 7, 38 and 39. He says the Spirit is bringing this, this, this attitude or this atmosphere of gladness to the people of God. It is the river that is flowing through the lives of the city of God, his own people. And the result is here in verse 5. He says, God's in the midst of her. She'll not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdom totter. But he says, but for the people of God, in verse 4, they have gladness. It's a parallel passage to Habakkuk 3, where Habakkuk has been moaning and groaning about all the negative things that were happening to the nation of Israel. They had people coming against them. They were being subjugated. I mean, things were, were a mess. And the Lord kept reminding him, but remember me, but remember me, but remember me. And finally, Habakkuk at the end of the book says this. He says in verse 17 to 8 and 18 of Habakkuk 3, he says, you know what? Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet will I rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. He says, I get it, God. He says, my joy and my hope and my happiness don't have to be dependent circumstantially. That you are offering yourself to be my joy. You're the river that makes glad the city, the people of God. Six weeks ago, to a young couple 
Drew and Trish Lindo, they received staggering news. Drew and, and Trish have been, were part of our church. Uh, Drew grew up in our church. They were part of our, our Collingswood campus for a handful of years. They then have now, they've moved up to Vermont the last few years to be a part of a church plant up there. And Trish was in her eighth month of pregnancy, about six weeks from delivery, and just under that, when they went in for the ultrasound and there was no response. And they were told that the, the child was gone. Eventually, um, she delivered a stillborn girl. And yesterday, uh, Trish posted this on Facebook. I don't quite know how to write this. And interestingly, the child's name, the girl's name is Sila. Today was Sila's due date. This was yesterday. For eight months I carried her and looked forward to this day in anticipation of her arrival. I couldn't wait to find out what gender our baby was, what color hair and eyes she would have. Would she look more like me or Drew? Couldn't wait to introduce her to her sisters who were so eager to meet her. The Lord had other plans for my baby's life. The Lord took her to heaven on October 5th. And our lives have forever changed. This last month, although it has been the toughest I have ever faced, has drawn me to the Lord in ways that I never imagined possible. Every day since her passing, the Lord has given me peace. Every single day. Yes, I have never been more grieved And heartbroken in my entire life, but through it all and in his kindness, he has given both Drew and I peace. A peace that I don't believe is humanly attainable. The only explanation I have is this. Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That is exactly what my heart and mind are experiencing these days. I just want to praise God so much for giving that to me. The Lord has also given us joy. Today was hard, for sure. And there are moments every day that bring tears to my eyes, but in the midst of sorrow, we are finding intense joy. Joy in the stories we are hearing about how Sila's life has already impacted others. Joy in our two healthy, beautiful girls. Joy in our marriage. Joy in the certainty of knowing we will see Sila someday an ultimate joy in Christ and what he has done for us on the cross and his continued work in our lives. I read this quote, and I absolutely love it. Joy is not the absence of pain, but the presence of Jesus. Joy is not found in our circumstances, she says. It's found in Jesus. I know this for certain now. Because I'm living proof of it. Brothers and sisters, the devil wants to take your joy. And if your joy is ultimately found in your circumstances, then he can. But if your joy is in God, he cannot take your God. The psalmist says in times of upheaval and confusion... That God is bringing 
gladness. He's the river that is making glad the people, the city of God. You're that city. You're that people if you know Christ. And one of the incredible realities that he is offering to people in times that seem uncertain is that God is the one who is bringing joy. And he says, think on that. Think on that. The third thing he says is this. God is with us to control our world. Verse 8 through 11. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Think on that. I'll accomplish my purposes, he says. This whole psalm is highlighting, let God be God. Let Him do His thing. Let Him rule the world. Let Him overcome your fear. Let Him bring you joy. We have a guy on our church board. Remember, every time I read this verse, be still and know that I am God. My mind goes here first. He had lost a, 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 a career position. He had lost his, his job. He and his wife were really, I mean, it, it, it was overwhelming. What does this mean? Are we going to have to move? What's going to happen to us? What's the next step? In the midst of that confusion and exhaustion, which those times, of course, are exhausting, right? I mean, you're just trying to hold on to the Lord, but you're also fighting your thoughts all the time and and. and and worries can be loud, and the voice can be loud, and the devil knows the buttons to push. In the midst of that, they, they wanted to lean into to Christ. And one day, they were taking a walk in their neighborhood, and it was a particularly challenging time in this whole journey. And they just stopped to check the mail as they were going out, as I understand the story, and they opened the mailbox, and uh, there was a postcard there. And it was sent by Pastor Ralph from our staff, and basically, it was, it was facing up, and they took it out, and it basically said one thing. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted. I remember when, when Bob first told me the story of that, and how God just verbally said, I, I, I've got it. I've got you. I've got this. We can be still. We can believe that he is the God moving and shaking, not only in the nations, but the cosmos. And he says, look, I make war cease to the end of the earth. I break the bow and shatter the spear. I burn the chariots with fire. I'm the Lord of hosts. I'm your fortress. Be still and know that I'm God. God has this. He has you. He raises up kings and sets them down. The Apostle Paul said, there's no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. God establishes. God institutes. Whatever word you're comfortable expressing 
his sovereignty theologically. God allowed it. God decrees it. God chooses it. What he's saying is God's over it. He's over all the nations. He's sovereignly reigning. And as his prophet Daniel said, God sets up kings and God takes them down. We put our trust in God to be at work and to be doing His work, right? In every age and generation, God uses kings, premiers, prime ministers, dictators, presidents to do His real work. And to sort of get out of the way of the real work that's going on, which is the establishment of His kingdom through His people. That's the real city of God in the midst of the city of man. So all of us, let's focus on what matters most, being the bride of Jesus, the salt, the light, the children of His kingdom, marked by humility, gentleness, faith, generosity. And, as James, and remember, as James says to the early Christians, and he speaks not only to how we talk to each other face to face, but how we do it on social media platforms. He says, let all of us be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Because the wrath of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. And we are called to live out the righteousness of God. To live righteously, humbly, gently, to reflect the character of Jesus' kingdom to our nation and our world. Because our joy is in Him. He's the river. He's the one that we can lean into. So the psalmist says to us this morning this, God is with us overcoming our fears. Think on that. God is with us bringing us joy. Think on that. God is with us Controlling our world. Think on that. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you. God most high. The Lord of hosts. The one before whom we are called to be still. And be reminded that you're God. Lord, thank you for joy that is not dependent on circumstances because it's found in you. And as Trish reminds us in her post that there is a joy, there is a river that makes glad the people of God. And it's you. That there is a God that we can be still and quiet and trusting before because you're big and powerful. And Lord, this has been such a tumultuous time for our nation. We feel tensions on so many levels culturally. Lord, as we begin as a people to to bodily begin to regather, Lord willing, if COVID allows it. And if it doesn't, we, we trust you with that. Lord, help us to be united in this one reality that as the people of God, we know you. We have life with you. 
You wanted us and made us yours. So Lord, may we rejoice in that. May we rest in that. May anger be put aside. May fear be put aside. May worry be overcome. Lord, help us to just let you be God. In Jesus' name, amen.